Do it. 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 Seriously. Ever quit a job, ever redefined yourself within one, ever started something in one big or failed? Quit is a call-in show, hopefully helping people sort out their lives, reevaluate their options, kick their crummy corporate stooge jobs to the curb, and start something awesome. I'm Dan Benjamin. It's time to quit. This is a live call-in show, and you can call in live if you are listening. The number to dial is 512-518-5714. If you're not listening to the show live... Shame on you. You can leave us a voice, voicemail at 512-222-8141. You may also uh, send us an email. Best way to do that, 5by5.tv slash contact. Just pick quit from the list. We will get your email. We will review it. And like we're going to do today, we'll read it on the air. Joining me here in the actual studio, live studio, is Danielle Moser. How are you, Danielle? How is everything going today? I'm very well. Now, you, apparently you. you've told me that you are, you've been on the show. Before. I have. I, I was featured on the show. You don't remember it. I don't. I, because I was, I believe this was the time when I was very, very ill. I brought you a water that day and it was laced with oh, so you're erasing drugs. You're the cause of my illness, is Un- what you're saying. Undoubtedly. I started that week, the very next week you were out sick. I don't think that's coincidence. I am the white man. I brought the infected blankets <laughs> into you. Oh, I see. Into your you. native country. I like that. All my fault. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Danielle. Danielle is my producer here. New producer. Not that new anymore. More than a month. More than a month. So it's not, I mean, you're new, but you're not brand new. Not, I lost my shine. I'd say the honeymoon is over. <laughs> I've gotten to know you and your faults. <laughs> But you're here today, and uh, if this show works, it's because she has done real, real producing work behind it. I have, I have a bind, a clipboard with tons of things. I have this, this. I've never had this much preparation. So if this show sucks, it's my fault. <laughs> well, I mean, it's always been my fault, but now I have, you know, there are no excuses. Excuses are gone. So we've got a whole. And listen, twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety two followers I have right now. And I said, you know what, for my 30,000 follower, I'm going to give some away. And people said, no, 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 don't do that. Because if you say that, everyone will unfollow you and uh, because they'll want to refollow you to become the 30,000th person. So they're not getting anything. But today is Iron Man 3 Day. We're actually, I'm going out, venturing out of my bubble to go see a movie in a real theater, which I don't do that very often because it's weird and contagion. And everything else in there. But uh, Danielle sitting in Hattie is screening the calls this time. So if you want to just talk to Hattie, you can always call in. And uh, again, the number to dial 512-518-5714. We've already got half a dozen people queued up. Some of whom have been on hold almost already an hour. But man, we've got some really good topics here too. How do you mitigate this? No guests this week. I was also told off the air by a fellow podcaster, that, that that podcaster's favorite shows that I do are the ones where I'm just, I'm just talking or I have a small group of people that are just talking and doing calls and doing emails, and they hate the guests. And a lot of the listeners have said, wow, I love the guests. The guests are everything. 
So we're going to try and do a bit of both. Not, you know, so this show, we'll do a lot of calls. We'll do a lot of emails, do a lot of feedback. And then other shows, uh, we'll have a guest from time to time. Next week, we have a guest lined up. Isn't that right, Danielle? Is that next week? Yes. Mr. Scott Johnson from Frog Pants will be on the show next week. Frog Pants, a uh, fellow podcaster, podcast network, if you will. So that'll be fun. And uh, we've got a whole bunch of things going on right here today in the studio. And I'm late starting the show. Again, late. And why? Because my kid, uh, and, and so this is a lead, this is when, uh, Daniel, this is what they call a lead-in mm. to a topic where you mm. kind of, you, you, you make it seem like you're just talking about something. And then later on when it ties into the actual, you know, the actual topics, you seem like a genius. <laughs> but this is what they call lead-in. Okay. Uh, just FY. You find your way in this industry. <laughs> so my kid is going, we're trying to figure out what school to send him to. And uh, you've got to, you know, you've got to, this is labels. This is not one of these topics. I've been sent, I have before me a clipboard with one, two, three, four different topics and a tons of tons of other things. This is not on the list, but I, I, it occurred to me there might be a neat topic to kind of slide in there. And then we're going to get to some calls. Don't worry. If you're on hold, don't worry. So my kid, we're trying to find out what school to send him to. Because he does, he does well in the school that he's in now, but it's a preschool and it's ending. So now we've got to send him into first grade. And you, you go through the whole thing. Well, could we homeschool him? We can't do that. We've got two kids. We, we can't do it. This is not going to happen. Which is all right. I mean, you know, not everything is can be solved at home. Plus, I like the idea of him being out and about if he can be. So where do you send him? Well, the public schools here in Austin, are all, they're all right. They're all right. Some of them are really good. Where we live is not, it, it, it's in a good school district, but maybe I don't, you know, maybe I don't want to send him to that public school. So I'm looking at all these different schools and everything. For one of them, they, they've got to get him tested to get in there because it's like for gifted kids. Well, I tested as uh, gifted when I was a kid. And I'll tell you what, gifted kid, gifted, Danielle, it, that sounds really great. Like who wouldn't want to be gifted, right? I was a gifted kid. Yeah. I'm not surprised. <laughs> and you think, wow, of course you would want a gifted kid. You, actually, you don't. And these kids tend to do horribly in school. They, they tend, I did, they tend to be miserable all, all through their whole education Everything tends to just be out of whack for them. Gifted sounds like, like when you say super taster. Wow, you're a super taster. Everything must taste really great. No, it, everything tastes horrible. It's the same thing with being gifted. But apparently for one of these schools, you have to be gifted. So we went in, we had to send him in for these tests where he sits down. How you determine a five-year-old is gifted is beyond me. But they have tests for this. There are people who've made their lives Studying how to test five-year-olds to see if they are, quote-unquote, doing Merlin, Merlin air quotes, gifted. Yeah. So he started talking when he was six months old. He was doing sentences when he was like 10 or 11 months old. He could, he could sing the alphabet song. And now I started talking when I was like 10 months old. And I haven't shut up. And he doesn't shut up. So we knew verbally he was ahead. 
And so we took him in and it turns out, yeah, he qualifies to get into school and everything else. But one of the, some of the questions he was telling me that they ask, and there is a point to this. Some of the questions that they were telling me that he, that he asked. So here's a question that they asked him and he had no idea what the answer to this was. Here, I'll ask you, Daniel, let's see if you see if you're gifted or not. Really get ready. Cause this is a tough question. We'll see if, if you are, what is something that you read every day? And then gets recycled. The newspaper. The newspaper. Correct. I think you were gifted. Thanks. He did not know the answer to this. Why? In his lifetime, we have never once had a newspaper in our house. Mm-mm. He's never seen me reading a newspaper. He understands mm-hmm. recycling. Mm-hmm. If I had said to him something like, uh, what is a container that food comes in that you recycle? He could have named 20 different things. But he had no idea what the hell a newspaper was. How would he know what a newspaper is? We've never, I've, I haven't held a newspaper since I lived in my house in Winter Park like 12 years ago. It's all online now. Everything's online. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if she had said, how do you unlock an iPhone? Well, he would have told you that. He probably knows what my password is. It's fascinating to me. This is the lead in part. It's fascinating to me that in life, uh, one of the big questions I always get asked on this show is, how, you know, to talk, talking about interviews, talking about how do you score an interviewer? Once you're in the interview, there was a guy last week, Daniel, who called in who said, uh, you know, like uh, I've, I've been on all these different, inter- was that, is that Phil from Seattle? Is he the one that called in? Was he the one? Yes. Well, he called back in. But the point is, is that people go to interviews and then they don't get the job. Why? Why? Out of all the interviews I've ever done, and back, this is going back to the days when I was like a, like a, in a, a consultant and they would send me out and I would go on like a three or six month contract. There's still an interview process. They don't just, you don't just show up. You still have to interview. Out of all the interviews, I'm talking about probably three dozen interviews over the course of my pathetic career. You know, I only didn't get one and that's because there was a saboteur in, in that company. Saboteur. Yeah. You speak French. We oui, peut. Gifted. So I, I, and they, they sabotage, I think I told that story on the show. This was a woman that I had worked with at an earlier company when I had, when I was disgruntled and hated the company. I was a corporate stooge. And of course it showed my attitude. So when I went to interview the new job, she was like, oh, don't, don't hire Dan. He's awful. Well, I was awful at the other job because I was miserable. I should have left and I did leave, but she's sabotaging. Out of all those interviews, only one that I didn't get. And, and is that because I oversold myself? Probably. So you don't want to do that. But how do you go to an interview, represent yourself well, and then what happens if you go and you think you have a great interview and you think everything went really well and the person that you were talking to didn't make any promises but gave you the impression that things were really good? And as somebody who has interviewed lots of people in my my different jobs, you walk a very fine line as an employer between, well, how do I let this person know that I liked them and I appreciated their time without giving them an indication that, man, maybe I'm going to hire you. At the same time, uh, not wanting them to, to lose hope either because maybe they're in the top five or the top ten. Do you get super formal and say, well, thank you very much for your time. I sure do appreciate it. We'll be letting uh, eligible candidates know within – well, that's awful. I'm not that kind of person. That's exactly what I want to get away from. When we met, uh, you were pretty drunk. And I already knew instantly, I knew what kind of person you were. 
you've actually turned out to be, you know, way better than we could have hoped. <laughs> That's very nice. But I knew, I knew what kind of person you were. I had a, a good feeling about you from, from there, even when you were drunk. And then when we then had a subsequent interview and then you interviewed with, uh, with Hattie here at the office and the consensus was that you were great, offered you the job, you came in and you're doing a great job. Thank but you. this is, this is the thing. How do you, when you're out there on the interview, how do you represent yourself without over-representing yourself, if that's even possible anymore? And there's so many people I know that listen to this job who, uh, show who are in a job and they want to leave and they want to go to an interview. And they're, you know what? They're, they're, they're introverts. They'd be a five in the Enneagram scale. Go look it up. Google it. They'd be a five. They're fives and sixes. And they think, well, I don't know if I interview very well. How do I dress for an interview? Does that really matter? And we talked about this on a previous episode of the show dressing. How should you dress for new? Well, there's the old saying, you, you know, better to overdress than underdress. Well, if you know that the place that you're going to go work, that people wear t-shirts and jeans or, you know, polo shirts and, and, and jeans, shouldn't you wear that to the interview? You're shaking your head. No. What do you think? I mean, no. What should you wear? You, you need to dress nice. You need to, you need to be wearing slacks. You just need to even if you know, even if you're interviewing with Mark Zuckerberg, you need to look like an accountant. You need to look. You don't think that look that's like going to set you apart as a square, as they used to say when I was uh, before I was born. I don't understand why people are so afraid of being squares. So you show up. You show up, and you let's say you know that if you when you look around, maybe you got a buddy who works at the place, and they you know he helped you with get the interview in the first place, and you know that in there. That they're wearing, uh, you know, polo shirts and jeans, sometimes slacks. That's what they wear there. You're saying wear, wear a suit and tie if you're a man. Absolutely. I see. I totally agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I, I've been told I'm old fashioned, but not in a nice way. And that, you know, right now I'm wearing a button down shirt. I'm wearing a pair, a pair of jeans. I have a leather. I think these are leather shoes. You know, I'm, uh, it's a professional, casual, professional uh, workplace, I would say here. Now, I would much prefer to wear a suit and tie every single day here. That's but I'm old fashioned, and I know that that's impractical. And plus, my dry cleaning would be crazy. So if but if somebody came here to interview and they roll in in a t shirt and jeans, what that says to me as an old fashioned guy is they they're they're not trying to impress me. They don't care about the job. And they're not serious about the interview process. That's what that says to me. The people who are listening to that who are agreeing with me, yeah, you're right. But the people who are not agreeing with me, they're saying, Dan, you're out of touch. My work is what you're hiring. You're not hiring how I dress. You're hiring and you're not hiring my, my physical appearance as long as I'm clean and don't smell, right? You're hiring my work. You want my work. You want what I'm capable of as a person. Not uh, how I dress. But that's not true. They've done studies about this. First impressions, making an impression on somebody. This is true if you're doing an interview. This is true if you're in sales or if you're trying to sell your own product or service to a potential client. This is very true if you're already in a job and you want to change how you feel or how you're perceived in the workplace. If you're the person who shows up in a t-shirt and jeans and you think you want to make a different impression, it's never too late to change that. 
and people, and maybe this is, maybe this gets into one of your, one of your topics here. Yeah. Office etiquette. See that lead in? Dress for the job you want. So you sent me, uh, Daniel, er, earlier in the week, you sent me a very cool, and it's in the show notes. Show notes are at 5x5.tv slash quit slash 22. There is a great, I don't know who the artist of this is, but they're a genius. They they have that little quote, uh, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And they've got people sitting in a meeting. And the person in the bottom right-hand corner of the of the table in this cartoon is dressed up as Batman. I mean, that's the job he wants, right? And, and, but that's, that's the way you've got to think. Mm-hmm. That's the way you've got to think in your current job, even if you're not quitting. You, you've, you want to move up. You want to change. You want to do something different. Change your perception. I remember one time I was working at a place and I was – this is back when I was a sales engineer. Uh, very much a corporate stooge kind of a job. And when I was a sales engineer – you know, we had to, we did a lot of client visits and you never knew when you were going to do a client visit. It, it wasn't like, well, we're going to go on Wednesday. So make sure you look nice on Wednesday. The rest of the days you can wear whatever you, you could be any day. So I had to wear basically dress pants, leather belt, leather shoes, button up shirt. I might or might not wear a tie every day, but I had a sport coat ready to go. And I had a couple ties in the drawer because you never know. Wasn't quite as bad as, you know, Draper with his desk full of, uh, you know, desk full of new shirts, but you never knew. You might have to grab a tie and a sport coat and run out to a meeting. So I remember a buddy of mine worked down in, in, in essentially, we didn't have basements in Florida, but as close as you could get to the basement, he worked down in the basement where some, the servers were and things like that. And I walked down there and he commented, he's like, you know, he's like, how, how do I get to do what you do? How do I get out of the basement basically? And he's like, you know, what do I do? And I, I, I'm like, well, stop wearing T-shirt and jeans for one thing. People will pay attention. And he did. And people started including him in stuff. It was a simple little Jedi mind trick like that, you know? The Jedi mind trick where you're saying, you know, the, no, n- notice me, you know? Uh, in, and, and people took him r- correctly or incorrectly. They took him more seriously because now it looked like he cared. Well, are you going to wear a suit and tie if you're surrounded by people who wear jeans and T-shirts? I don't know. It's a tough call. But I've, I've never been singled out for wearing a button-up shirt, a nice shirt that was ironed. I've never been like, well, we don't want him at the interview because he wears those shirts. He's, you know, he's he, a square. He looks too clean, that guy. Yeah. I mean, do you hear that? Do you think that's going to happen? Is that you're, you're in a different, you're, you know, a few years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Is only, that only you, a couple? Only a couple. Is that going to happen? No, no, that would never happen. Would you ever I mean, think that? No. Look, look at look at Hattie. Look at how nice she looks today. Wow. Yeah. I what's wrong never, with her? I would never dress like. Why would you know? It's crazy. What's she trying to do? Yeah. I don't think that's an issue. I don't. I think it's a non-issue. No. And people are so afraid of it. They're so afraid of it. T-shirts. When are we going to be done with it? You know what? I like. I get the whole James Dean look. The classic. You know, what are you rebelling against? What you got? You know, that whole attitude. White t-shirt, jeans. That's fine. But I'm talking about at work. People show up in a t-shirt. It looks like crap. They think it's cool. It's not cool. When is When are we going to get past this? I'm not saying everyone's got to wear a tie to work. Chat room's gone nuts. Phil's saying he has to drop off the line. Fine, Phil. 
Let's get him on here. All right, Phil. What's oh. the, what's the story? <laughs> don't threaten. Don't threaten that you're going to hang up. I could call in next week. I can't wait till next week. I'm not patient about your life. Okay, Phil. <laughs> Phil, bring us up to speed. Last week, you're 39 years old. You live in Seattle. Yep. Yes. And I said, call back with an update. And you said and the update is no job. <laughs> well, the update actually is, um, so I have a short-term rails contract, so I'm working, that's going to bring me through, it's going to extend our cushion at least in, for, in, uh, okay, hang on, for in, basically another month. In 30 seconds, summarize your situation for the people who missed uh, the last uh, show you were on. Sure thing. Um, so I moved, I've been a freelancer contractor, web developer, moved from Minnesota to Seattle without a job or contract lined up with just a, a couple months living expenses cushion, which mm-hmm. is now down to basically one month. Wing and a prayer. Week. Wing and a prayer, we call it. More or less. Um, so, yeah, at the time, it seemed like, oh, yeah, I'll get, I'll find something else. Really fast. This won't be a problem. Um, and really fast turned out to be a month went by and, you know, nothing really came together. So that was last, that was as of last week. Um, this week on Monday, I wound up, uh, getting a short-term Ruby on Rails contract. So working again, I've been working this week and will be for at least a, another week or two probably. Yeah. So that'll get us, my current cushion would have got us through like May and maybe a little bit of June. So this will get us through June. Uh, so now instead of one month, I have a full two months. You bought yourself some time. Um, now, do you think that this, this yep. gig that you've got now could parlay into a longer thing. It probably could, um, but I'm not sure how steady it would be. Like if I chose to stay with it, um, it might last another month, but then maybe they would run out of work. I mean, it's just another Ritz of Rails development shop that happens to need an extra pair of hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It might they'll go a little longer, but I would probably be better off taking a more permanent job or a, a long-term contract. I think you're going to so, have to. Um, I think you have to. I don't think there's a choice, yeah. but yeah. this is good. I mean, this is good. You've got something. Very good. How did you get yep. How did you get so, this again? How did you land this one? This was actually just uh, plain old-fashioned dumb luck yet again. Uh, some people some, uh, people that I've worked for or worked with in the past in Minneapolis um, just had some extra work. So I'm actually working for someone back home uh, remotely. So... Um, See, I don't think that's dumb. I don't think that's dumb luck at all. I don't think that's dumb luck at all. I think that's, I think, I think what that shows is that you've done a good job in the past and you made friends along the way and you impressed people with your work and you reached out to your network of people and you said, help me out. And they, they helped you out. Dumb luck is you're walking down the street and uh, you bump into somebody (laughs) and they fall and you fall and you help them pick up their, you know, their papers and they say, well, Thanks for your help. And you say, I sure wish you could give me a job and they give you a job. That's not luck. This, <laughs> this is, this is a past yeah. success. Good point. Sure. I'll take that. Um, but so besides that, um, I do have some good, good stuff going on. I got two, two or three interviews. Um, one, I had an interview on Tuesday an on-site interview that, that I think went really well. Um, you were just talking about how you can think something goes well and, and be wrong. But, yeah. What, what makes uh, you I, think it went sure well? That one went well. We were pretty sure why. Um, 
don't know. I just uh, I felt pretty confident in the answers I was giving to, uh, to the questions that came up uh, during the coding portion. Uh, they, rather than just uh, do something on the whiteboard, uh, we did something actually on the computer. We did some coding, so it's just far easier to be confident when you can actually see something working, can actually type in a familiar environment and uh, run your tests and watch something work. So I was much more confident in the code I was writing than if I had just been, say, scrolling on a whiteboard. Yeah. Um, so from my side of the table, at least, it felt more successful. Um, see how it goes. So what's what, so you say? Also, let's see. Let's see how it goes. So what does that mean to you? Do you, do you have a plan for how? Yeah, you will yeah. get back in touch yeah. with them because this is something that people forget all the time. And you know what? A lot of employers will test you this way. They will test right. you. They will say, okay, we did the interview on Tuesday. I let them know that mm-hmm. we would get back to them soon and was not specific about that. Do you, do you think that that's right. part of a test? Are they hoping that on Tuesday you will call or email and say, it's been seven days. Have you had any, uh, any updates mm-hmm. for me? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, that's my plan. I actually sent them an email the next day um, just to be, hey, thank you for your time. Thanks. All. I interviewed with about six different people, but uh, had all their names. And I remember those. I thanked them all for their time and uh, told them I hope I talk to them soon. They told me one to two weeks I'm going to hear back, so probably a week. I, I might wait a little more than a week, but yeah, I plan to get back to them and say, hey, how's it going? Anything new? I think that's, that's a great idea. And, and let me, um, let me, let me give you and everybody else some advice about this as both an, uh, an employee and an employer. Now, uh, seven days later, call them. I think, I, I, I don't think this is something you do over email. You can, if you're like super shy, but I would, I would prefer to get a call. And even if you just leave a voicemail, if you got, and here's another tip for you. When you're being interviewed by these different people, ask them, <clears throat> excuse me, ask them, for their business card while you're sitting there in the interview. Can I get your card? Now, a, a good professional interviewer is going to ha- have the card with them, slide it in. Here's my card. If they don't, ask for it because that gives you a direct line to that person. You don't want to spam all these poor people, but you definitely want to get back to the person mm-hmm. and be able to say, hey, uh, it's, it's been a week. And you don't, don't, do, don't do that thing where you're like, I've had several other offers, but I like yours best. It, no. Unless that's true. Right. <laughs> if it's true, then fine. <laughs> if it's not true, say, uh, you know, I, um, I, I was really excited by the interview that we had. And I think it seemed like it would be a really great opportunity for me. I hope you feel the same. I'd love to know if uh, you guys have, are any closer to making a decision about this. Seven days. If they call you before or on seven Makes days, sense. great. Seven days. Don't wait till longer than seven days. Seven days is not uh, is is just right. Seven days later, then they'll be able to to say, "Oh, you know what? We're we're still interviewing. We haven't made what." I-. Now, then after this, you start to run the risk of being a, a pest, because I've had people who have applied and they're right. like they really want to know, or maybe they're trying to make a decision or whatever. Now, because and here's the reaction that you have. If you call back too much, if you're too persistent, because people think, oh, persistence, I'm going to impress this guy. It doesn't, though. What it does is it, it creates pushback mm-hmm. because now they think you're being too pesky. You're, you're, you're bothering them. And when what they say is, you know what? 
You got another job? You know what? Better off going to that one because I'm going to take a little bit of time to pick this candidate because from the employer's standpoint, they know, especially if it's a small business, they know it's going to take them a lot of time and a lot of money to get you on board that they're going to have to invest in you. So they want to be sure. They want to take their time. So seven days you call back. If after seven days they say, well, we still don't know. They're either going to say, but we'll, we'll let you know, or they're going to say, I will have an answer to you by Thursday. Or I don't think it's unreasonable for you to say, great, do, do you have a sense for when I'll hear back? And these are very open-ended ways of asking questions. Do you have a sense for when I'll hear back? And they'll say, oh, we should let you know by the end of the week, or I'm waiting for my budget to go through, or whatever the BS reason they'll give you is. But this is, this is what you want. And then at 14 days, if you still haven't heard back, 14 days, you call them back again or email them again and say, I'm just following up. Uh, Don't apologize. I'm sorry if I'm bothered. No, you're not sorry. I'm just following up. I wanted to know if there was any uh, anything else, uh, you know, that that you might have to tell me Uh, at that point. That's the last time you talk to them. That's the seven day and the 14 day. Mm -hmm. And then you're done. If after that, if after that, they don't get back to you, you don't want to work there anyway. Move on. Can you do it? Yeah. All right. Makes sense. Okay. So call yeah. call back into the show and let us know what happened to you after that. Will do. All right. Thank I have you. more interviews. Uh, actually, I'm going to one this afternoon. So, well, good I'll luck. Talk to you. Thanks, Dan. Good luck to you. I feel better about uh, Phil now. Cool guy. Was that good advice? It was. It was. See, that's the part I never did was the call back. You got to call back. Mm-hmm. You've got to. Because some some managers are like, well, that that's the test to see if the person really wants the job or, or they're just busy and they know they need help. But it's really hard for them to carve out the time to say, oh, I, I, I need to call that person back. I like that person. You know, and there's that very fine line be- between when you know somebody's interviewing around and there is the real risk that, you know, if that person really is talent, like when after I met you, I'm like. I don't want her to go work somewhere else. But that didn't make, you know, automatically free up three more hours out of my day to, you know, to go through everything. Boardroom Batman cartoons. That's in the show notes. God, we got to talk about this uh, Zuckerberg issue. And, and, oh, that's just, that just depresses me. We got to, we got to do some more calls. So if you want to, if you want to call in today, 512-518-5714. I think it's a good time to do a sponsor. I think so, too. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website for free trial, 10% off, squarespace.com. The offer code is STOOGE5, S-T-O-O-G-E-5. What is Squarespace? It is, uh, it is an amazing platform that basically, e- easy way to think of it, lets you go in and make a website pretty much instantly. It's a, great for a blog. It's great for a, a, a company website. Now they have commerce stuff so you can sell stuff there. It's everything that you buy. And it's eight bucks a month. Eight bucks a month. So inexpensive. Spotify costs more than that. Yeah. Eight bucks a month. You get 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week support. If you sign up for a year, you're going to have a free domain name with this. And it's fully responsive sites. It connects to all of your accounts. If you're a developer and you're, you're, you're looking for a job, you could put your resume up there. 
get your domain name, you know, danbenjamin.com and put this up there and put your resume up there. Put samples of your work. Connect it. They have connected accounts. Connect it up to your GitHub account so they can go and see the code that you wrote. They can see all the stuff that you've got. Connects to Facebook, Twitter, everything else. It's really, really amazing. And the designs that they have that are built in, the templates that they have that are available that mean you don't need to touch a single line of code and yet you can still customize anything and create a site that is uniquely yours. They've got it all. So go to squarespace.com, code to use stooge5, and they will take care of you. But I actually think you should do that. I've had it where I've had it where people would email me and they'd say, I made a special page for you. And they'd have the whatever.com slash five by five. And they'd say, here are the reasons why I should work with you. And they would have a, a, a little paragraph. They'd have a bulleted list. Maybe if they, like for an audio engineer, they might have links to all the stuff that they've edited. Well, if you're a developer, why not make a page like this? You go on an interview and you had so much fun there. That's going to impress the heck out of somebody. You know, who else is doing that? If there's 10 candidates and they're all relatively the same and you're the one that went the extra mile and made a really cool page, that's going to impress people. That'd impress me. You know, it doesn't take much to show that you're a little bit different, that you think a little bit different. Do you agree with that? I do. I do. Square Now, Squarespace, they host our blog. They do host they? our blog. That's true. We had a new blog post this week. That's right. And we had a, a non-quit newsletter go out mm-hmm. because we just went to give an update about the new time and other things going on. And, and finally now with Danielle helping out. We're going to get this uh, newsletter thing kicked off. So if you want to be part of the, uh, the you want to get this, exclu- it's a secret. It's 5by5.tv slash quit slash newsletter. It's a secret. And you can go there and you can sign up and it, co- it does cost money because the, the information value in this, this newsletter is, I, I estimate it's worth two to $300,000 uh, an, an issue. That's how much I think the value that you'll get out of this. There's no way to actually prove that. But it's three bucks a month and you're going to get a hundred thousand times the value out of that. It's not a promise, but I feel, I feel they'll feel the love. So this is going to come out. The newsletter is coming out. Uh, the regular one will start uh, very, very soon. But if you want to sign up and you know what, that three bucks a month, this supports the show. It means I can, uh, I don't have to fire Danielle. That's exactly what that means. Five by five, the TV slash quit slash newsletter. Save my job. Zuckerberg. This isn't, this is a serious problem. He wears, I think, flip-flops, maybe what, Keds, Vans. Yeah. First of all, this is the, I think he's now the richest person in the entire world. That may not be true. He's, he makes more in an hour than I make in a year, I think. That's true. And he wears a hoodie and a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. And this is his uniform. This is what he wears. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not hung up about everyone needs to wear a suit and tie. I don't think that's true. But there's a difference with people who, I, I don't mean to lump you into this group, Daniel. Wow. There's a difference, it seems, with the general population of 20-somethings that seem like, well, I'll just dress whatever the hell I feel like dressing. Doesn't matter. 
is it a feeling of entitlement? I don't know. But they, they, it seems like they don't care. And I'll tell you what I, what, what I remember this was. When I was in, in that age, like late teens, early college, dressing like you didn't care was a form of rebelling. It was a way to say, I'm not like my parents. I'm not like people over 30. I'm going to wear black jeans and a black t-shirt and I'm going to, you know, buzz the sides of my hair and I play guitar and I, you know, I, I, I put the Marlboro in the tuning pegs of the guitar and I play loud. Like that was the way I was rebelling against all these conventions of whatever. And it, it was intentional. But at the same time, there's this underlying attitude, and maybe this was just me, of saying, I don't want to look like I'm, you know, I wasn't afraid to look like I was trying too hard that way, but I didn't want to look like I was trying too hard to look, to, to actually look good. I didn't want to seem like I was trying too hard. And there's, I think that kind of fear there of like, people are going to judge me if I look like I care about how I look or if I don't dress the way that all my friends dress. Uh, but then I realized, you know what? There's a couple things here at play. One of them is if you dress nicely, nobody will ever be able to make a comment either way about it, first of all. And, and, and number two, you would be surprised how easy it is to impress people by dressing just nicely. You know, we're pretty lucky at 5 by 5 Everybody dresses very nicely here. Mm-hmm. Everybody dresses nicely here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think there's absolutely something. I remember I worked from home for many, many Many years. I worked with remote teams and I might have people in town that I would meet, but pretty much all of my clients were elsewhere. And don't worry, callers, I'm going to get to you. I see you here. And for me, it was very much, I didn't have to ever get dressed if I didn't feel like it. I could sit in a pair, you know, and this is the image I painted. People working at home, this is what they're wearing. They're wearing their sweatpants. They're wearing a t-shirt. They haven't shaved in a week, maybe haven't showered in a few days. They're writing code. They're drinking coffee. Right now, they probably got three different coffee mugs. One had tea in it. The other had coffee in it, empty Mountain Dew can, sitting on their desk. And you know how you feel? You feel motivated in that very cyclical developer designy way. You know, it's all very cyclical where you'll work really, really hard for a few days and then you'll not do anything for a few days. And Marco and I talked about this in last week's episode. That's very typical. And when you get into that groove where you're coding, 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 coding or designing, designing, whatever it is you're doing, writing, especially if you're left to your own devices in that room, boy, I'll tell you what, you don't, you don't feel like taking a show. You don't feel like doing anything. Now, it's even worse if you're single. If you're single, you might not even leave the house. I was married. There were times where I was so busy, I would not leave the house for days at a time. For people who go to their work every single day, that sounds like madness. How could you not do that? But I would get into a groove where I was, I was just working, working, working. I, I'm like, I don't, I'm not taking a break. I'm not stopping. So I was talking to a friend of mine who lived in New York. You know that I'm incredibly fond of New York. I, sh- I sure do love New York. I, I don't actually. For those who've never heard the show, it's your first show. I don't. I grew up in Philadelphia, but I don't like it there either. Eagles and Phillies, though, forever. But the point is this: 
Every day, he was a writer. He worked by himself. He was writing a book. Every morning, wake up, shave, shower, and get dressed, and he put on a suit, and he might not leave the house. But he sat there in a suit and tie typing his novel. And I said, are you nuts, man? What are you doing? And he said, no. He said, it completely reframes my brain. It totally changes the way that I think about my life and my work and what I'm doing. And he said, I'll tell you a secret. It makes me feel a little bit more important than a guy just sitting in an apartment in New York writing a novel that he hopes gets published. It did get published. And and that really struck with me, stuck with me because I thought, you know, there's, there, you feel, even if nobody can see you, you feel different if you're cleaned up and presentable. And uh, if, if you are in a client service business where you might potentially be able to meet with somebody, it's so important to have a group of people that you can work with or that are friends that are in the same space. Going to lunches or meetings with people who are in companies, even if they're just your – and this is the thing. It's like for some reason people who are doing their own – their, their own running their own business or working on their own stuff, they think that like, oh, I just need to go and, and, and find my next, you know, my next client, my next gig, my next whatever. It's all about meeting people and talking to people and getting to know them. Oh, I met you at that dribble meetup three weeks ago. Oh, yeah, okay. Then you have a frame of reference that tells me that you leave your house. It tells me that you're involved in, in the world. And it's, it's as, as more and more people work virtually and work remotely, it gets tougher and tougher to, to make those things happen. So if you're lucky enough to live in a place like we have here in Austin, where you can go to meetups, you can go and you can, you can interact with other people, you absolutely have to go to these. But if you've been sitting there in your sweatpants and your t-shirt and you look at the time, you're like, well, I guess I'd have to shave and shower. You know, I'm not even going to go to this thing. They don't, I don't need that anyway. I got instant messenger. I got IRC. I got campfire. I don't need to leave. What do I need to leave for? And then I have to shower again. Shower four days ago. You know, th- there's a whole world out there. And meeting people and getting to know people. So back to the Zuckerberg thing. He rolls in with his hoodie and his uh, jeans. And he says, we don't have to be like the, like our parents. We don't have to dress any way we would dress, whatever we want. And guess what? I'm richer than anybody I ever meet unless he bumps into Bill Gates, you know? He's dressing for the job he wants, which is <laughs> no job. No job. What? Right. Why does he need a job? Well said. And what he did, not only did he come out and say, hey, I can be super successful and I don't have to conform. I don't have to be part of the old guard. I can do what I want to do. He set a precedent. And the precedent is sloppy jeans, sloppy hoodie, sloppy t-shirts. That's what he did. And if, I'll tell you what. If he was sitting where you're sitting, Daniel, I would say this to him. And I would say, why? You know, do I have a problem? Why am I so hung up on it? Here's why I'm hung up on it. He set everything back like 15 years. We finally were getting somewhere in the early 2000s. People were finally starting to wear regular clothes again and care about how they look. Now, if you, if you, here's the thing. If you go to a place, here's something New York does have going for it. People do care very much about how they dress there. They care very, very much. 
even if they're if they're wearing jeans and a t-shirt, it's they're gonna look good. Then you get down in the south here, it kind of changes a little bit. It gets sloppier and then and and there are holes in the t-shirts. But here's the thing is absolutely if you say this doesn't matter, think about it like this. If if you're trying to get oh, 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 here's a story, Daniel. Here's something I'll tell you about. Gosh, how can I do this without outing the person? There was a guy that I was working with. Who's, he, he, he was and is one of the best developers I'd have ever met. Incredibly fast. Okay, we're going to do a call right after this. Incredibly fast. Okay. And he was so good. Everybody in the community knew this guy. And he had the dorkiest, worst email address. I'm not going to say what it is. It'll totally out him if he says what it is. If, I mean, everyone would know. So his, the worst, it, it was, it, and it was, it was borderline offensive. Okay. And so this thing, he, he, I'm like, okay, I'm going to include you in this, uh, in this proposal. What email address do you want me to use for you? And he says what his email address is. It's the same thing as his Twitter handle. It's the same as all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't, I can't put that. I can't CC you with that. He's like, why not? That's my email address. If they don't like it, they're not the kind of client I want to work for. I said, no. I said, they're my client. And if you want to work with me, which I really want you to do, then we're going to have to pick something that is a little bit uh, more acceptable. He's like, well, I don't think I want to do what he, he would turn down the job. I don't want to say what it is. I can't say what it is. People instantly know who he is. But think about that. That's the attitude. This was six, seven years ago. That's the attitude that's out there. But they don't like me. They don't, they don't get the joke. They don't have a sense of humor. I don't want to work with them. I can pick who I want to work with. Okay, you're going to turn down 20 grand, then you're going to turn down 20 grand. Let me make an email alias for you then. So let me read. This is one of the emails that Danielle has picked out because uh, Peggy is, uh, is on, the, on the line right now. I'm going to get to her. She's been on hold for an hour. I'm assuming this is Peggy from uh, Sterling Cooper. Codename Peggy. Codename Peggy. I can read this. I, I, she says she wants me to change her name and profession. Have you done that already? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to read this. Okay. This is her email and then we'll get her on it. She's getting excited right now. I can tell on hold. I'm almost 25 and also a lady. Because we don't, you know, besides you and Hattie, I don't know if we have. And uh, Tina doesn't listen anymore. Mm. Virginia, supposedly is a Virginia on hold, but who knows? I think she's gone. I'm almost 25 and also a lady. I have my master's in ad copywriting and I work as an ad copywriter. This maybe is a secret reinvention of her, I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. In a, can I say this next part? Yeah, I probably shouldn't say that next part. Okay. I've been in this position for eight months. Before that, I worked in the same ad agency for two years, but as an assistant while I was working on my master's degree. In June of 2012, we hired a new director. While she's done great things for the organization, I would not say she's the best manager of people. She issued verbal or written warnings to every staff member. There's nine of us. While she's made us a a better functioning organization in terms of day-to-day operations, the staff 
is afraid of her. They feel a lot more stress, and most of us dread coming to work in the morning because they're afraid of what mood she will be in. I like my field, my job, and my coworkers, but I do not think that things can ever be right between me and the director. Her preference for punishment over praise gives me no motivation to win her approval, nor does it improve my attitude. Also, she doesn't believe in responsive websites or usability studies. Obviously, I want to quit, but the market for my field is pretty competitive, so it's not going to be easy to find another job. I worry it will look weird that I've left so early in my first professional position. I would like to leave sooner than later. I'd even take a job outside my field. Continues. No, I'm I'm editing it as I go. So when should I leave? Should I go now and hope that things will work out because I'll be forced to look for another job instead of coming home from work every day and packing a bowl and <laughs> going for a walk to de-stress? Should I stick around until I find another job, even if it's outside my field? How would I do that? Am I the one being the millennial asshole in this situation? And do I just need a kick in the pants? I feel bad for not tolerating this BS and running with this great career opportunity, but it's pretty exhausting for everyone, not just someone with my temperament, Peggy. What is going on? Peggy. I'm writing cover letters right now. Right now, writing them. Depressed in the Midwest. Did you yes. come up with that? Or is that Danielle? Yeah, there's internal rhyme. <laughs> I like that. All right. No, that was me. This is, first of all, thank you for listening to the show. I have four female listeners now. This is big. And since Virginia. I don't left. listen all the time because it's kind of stressful. <laughs> it's stressful to listen? Yeah, because I feel bad you for feel, everyone. You feel bad for the listener. Well, now we can feel feel bad for you. So what's what's the story here? What's going on? You have a you have a bad boss. Yeah, um, she she does things okay. I just I don't respect her, so it makes it hard to kind of jump through the hoops that she's set up. But it's also I'm you know I make good money and I'm comfortable and I'm happy where I'm living. So there's a lot of that. You know, if, if I left, there would be a lot of change, but I'm also pretty unhappy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because, I mean, this happens a lot. I've had situations before where I had a job that I liked and I had a boss that I liked and then that boss gets promoted or the boss finds another job and they leave. This happens all the time. I remember when this happened to my wife too. Uh, she had a really, really great boss. And then he, he got a better offer or he moved or something and their, their department was basically shifted over to some other person and that other person was terrible. And everybody went from being like thrilled to come in, happy to work hard, overtime hours mm -hmm. to help somebody because it's like their boss was, I don't want to say that it was their friend, but you know, they, they liked doing stuff for the team and for their boss and they felt like it was valued. They felt like it was valued and they're like, hey. Yeah, we don't like each other. So what, what's, I mean, what's your decision here? Are you saying, should, should I quit or should I quit now? Yeah. Um, yeah, should I quit now and try and find something temporary where I, while I look for, you know, a more permanent position? I mean, are you, are you so miserable that you just, the idea of going back to work again the next day makes you nauseous? Is it that bad? Yeah, like the, the feeling in your stomach every yeah. morning. Yeah. Yeah. All because of that boss. Are there, are, do other people 
feel the same way as you? Have you talked to your colleagues about it? Yeah, we've, I mean, half the staff has already put in complaints to HR. One of my former coworkers quit um, in December and she was closer to my age. And so I think there are also some generational differences. Right. Um, but yeah, every, there's a lot more jokes about drinking on the weekend <laughs> than there used to be. <laughs> and you're thinking, uh, you're thinking about doing something in the same field whatever that mystery field is as an ad copywriter, you're, you're imagining you do something in the same field. Is it, is it one of those towns where it's a real small town and everybody knows everybody else, or is it big enough that you could go somewhere else? And- no, it's a big market, but it's pretty, it's pretty flooded in this market. Yeah. I mean, in this city, but it's possible that I would go somewhere else and I'm okay with that idea, but that's, that's, you know, three to six months. Right. And not, you know, but it's kind of a while to, to get through. You're in it right now, even though you're unhappy, even though you're, you're, you're not very happy doing what you're doing. Uh, you're still in a position of power in that you may not love the job that you have, but you have a job. You're getting paid. You're right. in a much better situation looking for and finding a job while you have one than you are without one. Because right now, the only sense of pressure that you're feeling is a sense of pressure that I'm unhappy and I want to get out of here. But you can definitely... Well... Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's also a lot of, you know, like I got written my first write-up last week. So the... um, Yes, I'm unhappy, but there's also like kind of coming from the director, she gets, I don't know, there, there's more and more like she's pushing me out, I guess, in terms of those kind of HR, you know, involvement. Right. So well, I feel like my time is also limited. Well, I mean, maybe it is, but if... But if, yeah, no, my, I mean, I would, yeah, I, I think I've decided that I just that I will stay as long as it takes to find another job, but I'm just worried about how difficult that will be. It will be more of a challenge, but don't forget. I mean, if you listen to to Phil, you know, you go on an interview and then two weeks later, you may hear back. This is the kind of thing that if you're, if you have this job and you can stomach it, I'm not telling you to go into a place that's unhealthy for you and, 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 and you know, you're getting like uh, anxiety disorder because of it. But if it's, if it's manageable, and you can suck it up and stay there, stay there, but make your number one priority getting out. Now, if they're going to do something like actually push you out, they want, listen, they want you to quit. If you're, if you quit and you're doing what I did that one time, I've told this story a bunch of times. They hope that you're going to quit because when you quit, they don't have to give you any severance. They don't have to worry about, you know, all of that nonsense that they would have to, if they were just going to fire you especially in a bigger company, you said there's nine people working with you. I'm guessing there's more than 10 people in, in the company. There are rules, there's policies, there's procedures. Writing you up is part of how they might justify letting you go. Because when you get into a larger corporation like Sterling Cooper, you've got to, you've got to, to document somebody's performance if they have a problem, if they're not doing something that they should be doing, that you document that. You say, you failed to do X, Y, and Z. I'm writing you up about it. 
and that's there. So that then the next time that they identify a problem, real or otherwise, they can come back and say, oh, you know what? This is the second time and uh, the third time you're going to be gone. Even if even if you don't necessarily agree with that, they now have the documentation that they need. It's very, very hard in a bigger company like that, especially depending on the state that you work in, whether it's a right-to-work state or not. It's very difficult to just fire somebody for no reason. Now, here in Texas, for example, and Florida, but here in Texas, this is a right-to-work state. Danielle could say uh, – Dan, thanks for for the opportunity. I'm not coming back. I'm leaving now. And she could get up and walk out. And there's nothing I can do about it. I could say to her, Danielle, thanks for your help uh, producing the show today. You're fired. And she could say, why? And I could say, it's felt like it. Now, could she turn around and try and do some like, you know, lawsuit and say there was discrimination or whatever? Of course. But the, the law is that you can fire or hire anybody. You can quit anytime. Not all states are like that. Not all companies are like that because companies are very, very afraid that you will turn around and sue them for something if they don't document what's going on. So if you have a problem, if they have a problem with you or they think that might happen, they need to say that might be what she's working on. That might be why she's writing some people up just so she can have that in her back pocket in case she wants to fire somebody. I don't know. So I definitely think you're smart and you're reading the the writing on the wall. I think you're doing the right thing by looking around. I wouldn't panic, but if they are going to fire you, there's almost always going to be some kind of severance in there. Nothing is worse. You think a disgruntled employee is bad. Nothing's worse than a disgruntled ex-employee. That's much worse. But I think you're doing the right thing. I think you can go and I think you should, you should not leave. Uh, and, and I knew I, I had a, an old boss who said that he had kind of a rule. He would not hire somebody with, with some exceptions he would not hire somebody who wasn't working, who didn't have a job. Because in his mind, if you didn't have a job, then you know why would he want you working for him? If you didn't have a job, why would he want you? He wants people who he has to steal from somewhere because they're so good. Of course they have a job. I think personally it looks better when you show up with a job. It's one thing to say, I'm not – I don't love my job. I want to love my job. That's why I want to work for you guys. That's great. Say that. That's That puts you in a much better position, a position of power. I'm not saying you shouldn't leave if you're miserable. You should. But that's that's my advice to you, Peggy. Will you, will, Peggy, will you call back in right. and, and let, let me know if you, you know, when, when you leave uh, Sterling Cooper and where you go next? I will do that. All right. Good luck Hopefully to you. Hopefully it's not because I got knocked up. Yeah. No, I hope, right. I hope not. Thanks, Dan. S- spoilers. Bye. <laughs> I like her, Peggy. She's a cool girl. Yeah. Hard worker. And the way she's dressed has gotten better finally in season three. She's fabulous. Her now, attitude. Maybe, yeah. She's like a whole new woman in season three. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Peggy's still around in season three. I mean, that that's actually a really, uh, I think, a very typical situation is you have somebody and they're like, I'm unhappy. Should I just quit and get out of here? The pressure you put on yourself when you don't have a job, the pressure you put on yourself to find one is amplified big time, big time. Just that. Yeah. She needs, she needs to stay where she is. Zuckerberg. Now imagine if he had showed up, just think about this. Who's that actor that, uh, the two of you like looper. 
Mm, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. You know, he rolls in. He's He's got white shirt, black skinny tie, you know, slim cut suit. The guy looks like a million bucks. Well, of course, he's a Hollywood actor, right? You show up to an interview dressed like that as a man, you get a sense of style. See, that's the problem is guys don't think that they can have a sense of style. So you know what they do? First of all, I'm not even talking about regular clothes. I'm talking about with the suit stuff. You know, they're going to go to a department store and they're going to grab a, a, you know, an off the rack suit. And this is all right. They're going to grab an off the rack suit. They're going to say, well, you know, I don't like my clothes tight. I like a little room. So they're going to get a size or two up from what they really are. You know, and they're going to grab the jacket. They've never really been sized. They're going to grab a jacket. That looks like it fits. They're going to take this old crappy white shirt out of the closet, a tie that they had from 10 years ago, and shoes they haven't worn in years. They're all dusty. And that's how they're going to, that's what they think dressing up is. Well, of course, of course you're going to look terrible. You got to, you got to, you know, you've got to care about how you look if you're going to do this. But this actor guy that you're talking about, Somebody dressing nicely, dressing professionally. I mean, it, it, it makes such a big difference on an interview and in a client meeting. I remember one time, uh, yeah, uh, we were, um, I, I was working for a uh, remote team of developers. There was maybe six or seven of us. And we all got together for one of these meetups that we used to do because we were all remote. We all worked in different parts of the country. So we all came together. I'm wearing my usual button down shirt, pair of jeans. And they're all wearing t-shirts and jeans. It's fine. We're all hired already. And they were asking me about it. They're like, damn, why do you, you don't, you know, you can wear a t-shirt if you want. I'm like, I, I'm actually comfortable. This is pretty much just what I, what I wear. And they were talking, well, you better not wear that when you speak up at RailsConf in a few months or whatever. I'm like, why? Like, well, I'm like, I'll probably wear this. Might even wear a tie. Like, you can't wear a tie. You'll get no respect from that audience. I said, why not? Girl, they'll think, you know, they'll, they'll think you're a corporate guy. You know, they'll think that uh, you don't understand. They'll think, you know, you can't wear. And, and look, look, at, look at the way that somebody like Tim Cook dresses. When he gives these keynotes and stuff like that, he'll wear and Schiller too. This is, this is the, I'm a corporate guy in my fifties who runs a company and I want the people who are developers and designers who work for me to think I'm cool uniform. It's a button down shirt untucked over a pair of jeans that don't fit right with the sleeves of the shirt rolled up and a button or two down, usually with a white t-shirt underneath. And then sneakers, probably new balance, which are fine. This is the, this is the uniform now for I'm giving a talk in front of developers and designers, but I'm actually a mid fifties C-level boss. And you know that this is not what they're comfortable in. I'm willing to put money on the fact this is not what they're comfortable in. Maybe they're comfortable in t-shirt and jeans. No, I'm just saying. Maybe they're more comfortable in a suit and tie, but they feel like they have. And so in a way, that's good. They're making the effort to connect with the people who work for them. I'm, I'm not suggesting that they try to dress cool and hip like the whatever. 
But I'm saying there, there's something to be said for making that effort to try to connect with the people that you're talking to. Now, I did not wear a tie when I gave that talk at, at RailsConf. I did wear a button-up shirt. And nobody seemed to have a problem with that. And I think there's something to be said for, for caring how you look and for making an impression. And I think that if as old-fashioned as this sounds, I know people I'm losing, I'm losing people who are saying, ah, see, I'm not doing that. But the way that you dress matters. And you're absolutely sending a message by the way that you dress. And maybe you're happy with the message that you're sending. Maybe you're, you're pleased as punch wearing an old T-shirt, jeans, and some flip-flops, kicking off the flip-flops in the meeting, barefoot around your office. You don't like that? Gross. I don't want to see feet. Nobody does. Trust me. All right, hang on. Uli. Get Uli on. <laughs> Dan, I can't believe you took my call. How's it going? Did I get it right? Yes, yes, you did. Can you hear me clearly? I know you're sensitive about audio fidelity. And stuff well, I like just, that. you know, you're not wrestling with your cat like that one guy. That was nonsense. So you're 25. <laughs> you're right here in Austin. You want to quit your job? You want to go to school for computers? In the capital of, of USA. The capital of Texas is Austin. Yeah, the yeah. capital of the United States is, is Texas. You want to quit your job, you want to go to school for computer science, and you're wondering, is it possible to, yep. do, uh, to do both at the same time? You want to quit your job? What is your job? Well, it's in the general labor field. It's, uh, it's you, you know, like working, working on houses, not, not construction type stuff, but installing things. Like what? What things? Um, like like attic insulation. Okay. You work. You're you're an, you know, you're doing a, an yeah. You've got an honest living. You work with your hands. Uh, cur- currently, yes. Okay. And yeah. you would like so, but, to? But I guess my question is. Yes. It seems it seems very controversial. Some people are are of the mindset you go to school and you just focus on school, so you're you're good at that and you hone your craft. And other people are say, oh, student loans are so high, you need to sort of make a dent in them while you're going to school. Um, and I, I wanted your take on that because honestly, I have uh, it's, it's taken me a long time to sort of break down my ego and finally actually go to school. I've been been very resistant and. Now that now now that I'm doing it, I'm I, I'd like to be a software developer. I know I know where I want. I'm very focused. Um, I sort of don't want to water down um, my my focus in school. If that makes any sense. No, it definitely does. And you know, it's different when you're in your twenties and mid twenties and trying to go to school compared to, uh, you know, compared to when you're you know, right off, graduating off after high yeah, right after high school and, and you've even maybe got parents that, you know, I mean, look, there's a student we, I was talking to, to Danielle yesterday about her student loans. She's paying off her student loans. And uh, most people in their twenties are paying yeah. off their student loans. Many people in their thirties are paying off their student loans. Right. So there's right. absolutely yeah, people in their fifties paying yeah. off their, their student loans. Yeah. That's not, that's not uncommon. And you know, getting, getting at age 25, getting a loan and going to school full time is, I think today, 2013, I think that's, that's not 
an uncommon thing to do. It used to be you finished high school and you either went to college right away or you didn't get a chance until like your kids were in high school. You know, now you've got a lot of flexibility. You've been working, you know what the real world is. And there's a good chance that you are likely to be much more inspired to do well in school than somebody who is just graduating from high school because you've had a taste of the real world and you know what it is and you know how tough it is out there and you know that one of the great ways to better yourself is to go and get a degree. Right, right. And and I know this this seems sort of uh, contradictory, but part of part of why I also don't want to work while going to school is because I'd like to I'd like to work on on starting a, a podcast, starting a network, and the time where I'm not studying, I'd like to have do something that blends in more with what I'd like to become, you know, my later career after school. So, is is that am I am I am I diversifying? too much by saying I want to go to school full time and the time I have off is the time I want to use to sort of start my own company. Well, I mean, I, I always had some kind of company going on back since I was in high school. It's very possible to do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. Starting a podcast network, I, I can say from experiences is, is takes quite a lot of work. Uh, it's something that right. a lot of work. And in, in my case, a hell of a lot of luck. Um, it's, it's, you know, just like any business, it's, it's a, a lot of work and it's a very, very big challenge. That doesn't mean don't do it, but it just means realize it's going right. to, it's, it's, it's going to be just as much work as any other small business would be. Um, it, doing any kind of small business in addition to going to school, I think is a big challenge. Um, and and working at the same time. So I'm I'm assuming you're in a position where if you were to quit your job that you would have a place to live and uh you know maybe with your parents or with a friend or something that where you're not going to have to worry about about paying bills, is that true? Um no, no. My I I was going to take out enough loans and then of course rent rent a room mm. and and live live frugally that way. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's basically you know living, living, living on loans, and some some people are like, oh, that's that's such a crazy thing to do. Why would you do that these days? Um, and then I, I sort of feel, why why are you going to school if you don't have enough faith in in your ability to use your degree to pay back those loans? You know, why 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 spend those you know why spread those years thin in terms of focus? Yeah. Um. You, you know. It, you know what I'm saying? I definitely do. Um, so I've, I've just been getting a bunch of conflicting stuff from, from, from different people. And, and I guess at, at this point, I, I sort of feel like, you know, there's, there's, there's money, there's time, and there's attention. And attention is what we have the very least of. Why, why not put your attention, you know, if you're going to be in debt regardless, you might as well put your attention where it's going to reap the most rewards. No, that's the right way to think about it. And, and you know, I, I think... Here's something I will say. I know plenty of people who are working as full-time or freelance uh, software developers who do not have any college. I know plenty that do. I know plenty that do. Um, if I was hiring for a software developer now and two candidates applied – 
Neither of them had much work. Both of them were 25. One of them had a computer science degree. And the other one had been to one of those, you know, uh, intensive courses where you spend a certain number of weeks or months learning something. I would weigh them. I would, I would probably weigh them relatively equally, but the, here's, here's the thing with a college degree, this gives you something that, that those kinds of classes don't give you. And I'll tell you what that is. It's a college degree. And if you show up with a college degree, what that says is, you know, you, you went to school, you went to college, you have a bachelor's degree now. And there are many, 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 many places that want to see that. Even if you're outside of your field, if you're outside of your major, look, I, I had an English degree and I got jobs in computers and that's all that I've ever done. I've never used that English degree, but I had a bachelor's degree from a four-year university. And as, as, as silly as that may sound, that's going to position you to do almost any job. But yeah, you can't walk in and, you know, cut somebody open on an operating table. So here's, here's the advice that I have for you. If you're trying to make a decision between should I go to school or not, I'm in favor of people who are serious about advancing themselves to get a four-year degree. That's what I, I believe. At least get a two-year degree, get an associate's degree, get an AS degree from a community college. You'll save money. They're used to working with uh, people who are putting themselves through school. It, so it's going to be less expensive. They have more flexible schedules. They might even have some of those remote courses where you can take them and, and do the work at home around your schedule. You know, where you come in and you spend one, you know, one day a week you're in class and then you've got labs. I, I'm just saying, c consider that and look into what Austin has for you. For those kinds of things, you might walk out of there with an AS degree and find that you can now go and get a job that's going to pay you 40, 50K a year, maybe, maybe 30K a year, maybe 20K a year, but it's going to be in the professional realm. And then you can finish at a, a four-year college here and do that. I'm just saying it, it's not all or nothing. It's not I'm going to quit my job and take out really expensive loans and go to a four-year university. I'm not saying that's a bad idea. Maybe you do that. But – I'm saying there are other options, and I know I know uh, many people with an AS degree who you could go, do that AS degree, then go to that two month in, or three month intensive uh, thing where they teach you how to be Rails or Python or whatever. Don't do Python, and you're going to come out of that with like yes, you have an AS degree. That's some college, and now with that AS degree, you can go to a Texas university, and I think you've got the is that is that right, Daniel? You get the automatic in if you have if you have like a, a two year degree from a community college, you're automatically in a state school. Is that true? Sometimes okay. check with the admissions office. Yeah, well, sometimes that works. Certainly well, well, doesn't Daniel, hurt. I've already been accepted to. I've I've already been accepted to to, to a great college, um, and it's it's one that it's a, it's a regionally accredited one, but it's one you can you can do online for computer science, but. I, I guess I really wanted to, there, there's so many, I don't know, there used to be all this people starting companies while they go to school. And for me, I feel I'm faced with, well, I could try to start my own company while I go to school full time, or I could work for another company and feel stuck on the treadmill while I go to, uh, to school at the same time. And, and I, I, I was wondering, is it unreasonable? Can you do, can you do both? Can you go to school full time? And can I say the rest of the time, I'm going to try to start my own podcast company. I mean, yes, you could. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, it depends. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I was always, I always, 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 ever since I was 13 years old, with the exception of when uh, I worked at a dot com and it blew up and I couldn't, and it was around 9 11, I couldn't, couldn't find a job. Um, with that as the exception, I've always had a job. And that includes during school. That includes, so yeah, it's definitely possible, but don't forget what I always say on this show. And that is, you can't, you can't have, a true degree of success at two things. So ask yourself at the same time, at some point you will have to make a choice. So ask yourself, can you build the kind of business that you would want to build as a podcast network? Can you build that while you're in school? Will you be able to fully commit? Because I think school is more important for you right now. I think school should be your number one thing. Okay, so... That's my advice. I got to let you go. Thanks for the call. Let me know what you decide. No, thank, thank, thank you right. very much, Dan. Bye. Good luck to you. Okay. Gosh, there's two more calls. I'm going to do two more calls. 80 minutes we're into this. That's all right. We'll do good. I'll stop at 90. Okay. Okay. You can just jump in and tell me what to do. I got to take Justin. This won't be a long call, but he's been on hold. I know Virginia. I'm going to do Virginia last. Because she's a persona non grata anyway. Mm. Pariah. It's Justin, the Volkswagen Beetle iPad guy. Justin, <laughs> how, right. how are you? Hey. Good, good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? So pretty good. So you're, you're a little bit of a sensation right now, Justin. It's it's a lot of fame and celebrity. I wasn't I wasn't really expecting. Okay, yeah. so this is Ju- Justin Garrity. <laughs> no, was, this is what Justin did. Justin went. Yeah. In case you haven't heard about this, uh, he heard about this eye beetle, which is Volkswagen and Apple got in bed together, and they uh, they came out with a, a a Volkswagen Beetle that has like an integrated uh, dashboard on the inside, right? Like right, right. and then and you said, you know what? No, I want my own 2012 Volkswagen Beetle with an iPad in the dashboard. And you went and you somehow it's I'm not very sure. Did you did you fabricate your own acrylic parts to dock an iPad Mini in? Because what he did, Danielle, this is pretty cool. What he did is he went and he he got he had some kind of iPad mini thing and he mounted the iPad mini over the original stereo system and everything else that was in the car hmm. so that it's, it's mounted over it. I'm going to hold this up so you can, you can see what I'm talking oh. about. He mounted it over it. Okay. So there's his old one. And as you scroll down, you can see that he did, he's got all this uh, taped up stuff. He's got the acrylic parts. There's the iPad mini dock. He's got it primed. He paints it there. There it is fitting Ooh. right over the, the main thing. And then look at that. Look at that right there. Now he's got the iPad inside of it and he uses ways for navigation. He uses podcasts by Apple and he uses dash command and the uh, OBD2 Wi-Fi module plugged into his car so that he can see like stats and all kinds of readouts and looks fancy. That's super nice. So that's what he did. That's right. So to, so to, so to clear it up though, uh, I had it done before they announced the iBeetle. Oh, okay. So you were you act? Yeah. They stole the Probably idea from my, you. 
Yeah, yeah, I was the uh, originator of the idea. <laughs> Got it. No, but it surprised me because I had it done and I had it in my car for a couple of weeks, and then they and then they announced that. Um, but yeah, it was in there working for a couple of weeks before. I had no idea they were going to announce that. So you did this. So tell me, what was the? Are you are and, you selling this as a kit? Is it now a business? And you're going to sell this as a kit and people can buy all these things together and you're going to have a really nice, you know, PDF file that they get that they can print out or instructions on how to do this and uh, go viral with it. I wish I was that talented. So Why, what do you mean I talented? It's, it's just putting the yeah, time. Hey, hey, hang on. <laughs> You've already done the hard work. No, but I, no, but I, so I just want to clear a couple of things up. I have the idea, but I don't, I don't know how to fabricate parts like that like that is like unbelievable to me and uh, well, who fabricated the part? article but that was a, there was a company in town here in portland called music car northwest so i went to their shop and i said i have this idea this is what i want to do and i showed them the ipad mini that i had and i showed them my dash and it was a collaboration we went back and forth about some different ways we could do it but those guys know how to do those parts those photos are are their photos they took for me as they kind of put it together and then showed me the result. It's Tom over at Music Car Northwest that, that, that made it, did the actual wiring and, and the fabrication. So here, here's what I'm saying. Why don't you use them as your supplier? You get them to get this thing that's, that's done, get them to make a bunch of them, put this thing on Kickstarter right now. Today, now, Kickstarter this thing and, and, and make this a business. Kickstarter is your friend, man. You can do more than just a blog post. Do you know how many people want this? I haven't thought through that part. Come on. I was just being selfish and wanted it for myself. Come on. I mean, well, that's, that's, yeah. the, that's the origin no. of so many good ideas. I just wanted it for myself. Look, King, King Marco with Instapaper just wanted it for himself. Yeah. Kickstart, yeah. Kickstarter point. it and good make point. this, make a kit that people can buy. And you know what? Yeah. And like, maybe they'll need to, what do you mean wiring? What wiring did you have to do for the power? The, the, the power and the, you have to bypass the aux in that, you know, you normally the auxiliary in that you normally just plug a, you know, an eighth inch cord into. Is so that something that, that, is that something that a local car stereo shop would probably be able to do for 50 to a hundred bucks? Oh, for sure. Okay. So, for sure. And I think even, you know, with the right instructions, somebody could figure that out. It's not that big of a deal. All right. Let me tell you what you do. Here's what you do. You go to the, the guys who fabricated this uh, acrylic piece for you. And you go to them and you say, how much would it cost to get a thousand of these things made? And they'll come up with a price. And you say, okay. Then you go and you work with a, a local graphic designer a uh, typesetting type person. And you say, how much would it cost if I hand you material for a guide? Two guides. It's going to be two. Two guides. How much would it cost for you to make them look pretty? And they'll say, oh, about 2500 bucks, whatever. You say, okay, now you've got your two numbers. Then you figure out how much profit you need to make on this to make it a real business. And then you go and you write the guides or you, you put it on Kickstarter and you get ready to start writing the guides. And the first guide is what the people would need to know to get this whole thing uh, installed and configured. And the second guide is what you're going to, you are as a, a purchaser of this, is going to walk in to your local car stereo installation shop, garage, and hand them and say, this is how to wire it up. 
and that's it. And then you talk to an iOS, yeah. then you talk to yeah. an iOS developer and you say, I want to build a custom iOS for this. How much is that going to cost? And you add up all of those numbers and then you do a Kickstarter, do this today or tomorrow, do it over the weekend, come out with this Monday. That's enough time. Hustle. And then yeah, you've got a nice <laughs> Kickstarter project and you've got a nice business for yourself and you make it so that you start with the Beetle first and then, then you move into other cars. And you have come up with a custom piece for right. each different line of cars. Now you get a nice business there. Think big. If you don't do this, I'm going to be dis- like I'm going to be personally like disappointed in you if you don't do this. And someone else will do it. Someone else will do <laughs> honestly, it. I'm going to do it. I honestly did not think about that. that How is, can you not think about it? How can you not no. think about it? How can you not think about I that? I just was so excited to have it in my own car. That was, that was, uh, it was my only objective. <laughs> I'm going to do this if you don't do it. And, uh, you got yeah. till Monday at five. I will do it. <laughs> I'll get on it. It's a great idea. And you know yeah, what? If the Kickstarter I mean, doesn't get funded, if the Kickstarter doesn't get funded, you're out a weekend. Oh, well, I wasted some time this weekend. Agreed. Get a good, listen, right. I, I want no, you to calm. I want and you, the thing is, go ahead. I was just going to say the thing that I just did not foresee when I put all this together was how it fundamentally changes the whole car experience. It is absolutely amazing. It is the most enjoyment I've had in a car. Like it, it changes everything. Um, it, it was the same kind of feeling I had before I had the iPhone and then got the iPhone. The in-car experience now is phenomenal with that integrated into the dash. It is unbelievable. So go do it. 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 Seriously. I think I'm going to do it. I think so too. All right, listen. Call me, email me on Monday with the URL to the Kickstarter, and I will tweet it for you. Okay. All right? Great. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Good luck. I'm on it. Bye. All right. How could he not? I mean, that's... He's done the work already. It looks amazing. He's done the work. I know. The work is over. The easy part begins now. These people. He doesn't do it. I'm doing it. You and me are doing it. Yes, please. I'm going to put this in the show notes. All the links, then we got to get Virginia. I don't even think I should take her. You know what? I'm just going to make it so she was on hold this whole time. Serves her right for not calling back. It's punishment. Justin Garrity's link to the thing will be in the show notes. Show notes are 5by5.tv slash quit slash 22. Don't forget about the newsletter there. All right, fine. Do Is that it? One sponsor? Or two? Okay, one. So I'm already in the clear with them. They'll be happy because I did the I did their spot way up at the top of the show too. They'll be thrilled. Virginia. What's going on with you? Hi, Dan. Hi. <laughs> well, not not a ton of specific stuff. That's why I haven't currently called in. I've just been busy running my business. Well, that's good. That's a good reason to not call, I guess. How are you? How's everything I know, going? Virginia, I know. It's controversial. Virginia's in Seattle. She started a business and called into the show. She's our second female listener, including Hattie. 
This is before you worked here. Mm. And uh, she started a business and the, the first, well, what was the first idea? Walk me through what, what you've done, Virginia, and what you're doing now. Well, so I've been doing this on the side since like 2007, where I just help people find love online. Um, I started doing it for free, just for friends after I met my husband online and people started hearing about it through my social circles and I eventually started charging money. So initially all I was doing was charging for my time. I charged an hourly rate. Um, it's a lot higher than it used to be, but I just charged an hourly rate and met with people evenings and weekends outside of having a daytime corporate suit job that I hated. And I finally, I wouldn't really say I got off the courage to quit so much as I hinted that I hated my job and um, my software industry tech company uh, contract elected to not renew me because they could kind of tell that's what I wanted. So it worked out pretty well. That was in December and I've been trying to do consulting full-time since then. And Dan was worried about me because I didn't really have a sustainable business model. And I haven't made as much progress towards the sort of renewable sources of income as I would like, but I'm getting there and in putting myself out there and getting there, just the regular hourly consulting has definitely been picking up and it's getting to a point where I'm no longer paralyzed by financial fear. So that's good. So now... What is your what is your business day to day? What does this thing look like? Your day to day business? Well, I I'm blogging. Um, I get up. You know, I usually have like a client meeting or two. I go to a lot of networking events um, with just small business groups, some tech groups, and some like groups where I'm on the board of directors for another online dating related startup and I'm kind of helping out and advising them with where to go. But I meet a lot of people there who are then leads that I'm following up on. Um, so I spend a chunk of my day writing, a chunk of my day consulting and sort of chasing those leads or following up with them and a chunk of my day getting myself out there. And that's the most exhausting part is like trying to generate leads by showing up at events and talking about your business in a way that doesn't feel super douchey to everybody. <laughs> when you're just sort of plugging your, your thing. Right. <laughs> That's hard. Um, I don't really enjoy it, even though I'm pretty outgoing. It's, it's annoying when you're sort of selling as you've talked about before. Right. You're doing, well, you're doing everything. So where do you, how does this business scale and where are you going with I it am. next? Well, um, I'm about to launch an advice column in partnership with a Seattle um, dating like tech startup uh, called Like Bright, and it's nice because they have, you know, VC funding and a bigger audience, and I I think that that's going to get a little more visibility. But I'm also um, I'm launching a podcast. Don't don't be afraid. I think I'm I'm trying to do a call-in podcast with. Um, some people that I met through five by five sort of jackal connections. Mm -hmm. there, there's an existing network that's, that's working on that with me. And then I'm still working on writing books. And I finally kind of changed one of my products to a downloadable class that instead of my time, people can just buy there you and go. walk through on their own time. And, you know, exactly. I'm trying to think a little bit better monetization wise. I'm, I'm slow at that. But I'm also hiring some of those pieces out so that other people can whip me into shape about how I ought to be trying to monetize things because I've finally realized that, like, much like you said with Marco, you know, in Quit and Analyze last week, like, take the parts of your business that you hate, 
and find room in your budget to pay other people to help with those parts. Like turning what I love to do into something that makes money. Frankly, I'm not very good at that intuitively. And so I've learned to sort of hire marketing people or find a way to barter with them where we can both add value to each other. But like I'm getting sort of SEL help that I need. I'm getting marketing help that I need. I'm getting a little bit more financial strategy that I need. And so it's it's good. You, your network and your sort of connections that you foster have been really helpful. Awesome. Well, that's great. I'm really glad to hear from you. You know, I think there's a lot of people in the audience who've been wondering yeah, if, if you were okay. I it's all right. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm great, but I can't always listen live. Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough... I actually think this new, um, this new time slot is going to be a little bit easier. I hope so. Well, it's definitely easier for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, there you go. Virginia, I wish you continued luck. I'm glad to know that uh, we've helped you out a little bit. You got it. You got You know, once a month, call in once a month. Just okay. let it, let us know how you're doing. All right. I can do that. Best That's of luck good. to you. Thanks, Dan. Have a great weekend. You too. That's Virginia. She used to be a chronic. She'd call every week. I would. I got to the point where I did couldn't even take her calls. <laughs> nice lady. I like her. Yeah, she's nice. Up there in Seattle. High above the rest of us. But I think that's it. 96 minutes. Did it feel like 96 minutes? I bet it did. Mm-hmm. felt like 106. Never does. Mm-hmm. goes so quickly. We didn't get to all the emails here. So do you know what? We're just going to go to the next ones. But at least we got to the Zuckerberg issue. And we do have to, I guess I should have started out with uh, the new the new time. So for people who have listened this far into the show, we've got a new time that we're doing this show live. I had to move things around. After I got sick, I almost died. You were really close to that. I almost died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized I needed to just, you know, scale back a little bit. I was doing too much and, and never getting any rest. And one of the things that's tough about this show is recording at four it's fun, recorded four. The, well, it's four here. It's five Eastern time. But I realized, you know what? It would, be, it, it would be better for everyone involved in the production of this show, especially me, to do this earlier in the day, to do the show at one. And from about one to about 3 p.m. Central time, that's about two to four. Then we can quickly edit the show, release it, produce it, get it out there, and, and hopefully get it out there in time for the folks who are leaving it, you know, at five or after on Friday. They can download, they can listen on their drive home. They can definitely listen on their drive home if they're in Central Time. And if they're on West Coast Time, it's there plenty of time. You can listen to it on Friday instead of having to wait until Saturday, Sunday, maybe even Monday. Because I was looking at the way that the downloads look. People might not even get the show till Monday. So it was really only benefiting that small uh, you know, group of people who were you know, willing to just convince themselves of, okay, I got to make time for this on Friday, late Friday. So now anyone can listen to this on their way home on Friday. That's the goal. Of course, we went long today. But all of this stuff that you did, Daniel, we're going to get to all this. I'm going to use these just for next week. Perfect. It's fine. So again, here's the stuff you need to know. 2 p.m. Eastern time on Friday's new time. Uh, 5x5.tv slash quit slash 22. This show notes. 5x5.tv slash quit slash newsletter. It's a wonderful way to support the show and keep Danielle around because she's, if I don't get enough sign up, she's fine. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how much I like. It. And uh, by the way, if you don't follow me on Twitter, 
you can you can do that. I am. I don't know why they say at Dan Benjamin. It's obvious it's at Dan Benjamin. It's Twitter. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. I'm not at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Eight more followers. And who are you on on Twitter? People would like to learn more about you. I am the Mose. The Mose. T H E underscore M O Z E. That's also my name in the. It's your name in real life. In the IRC. That's my name. So go there and uh, check it out. Thanks very much for listening. And we will be back next week at our new time, 2 p.m. Eastern. And thank you, Danielle, for joining me today. Thank you, Danielle.